0: This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com.
1: This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. Today, we're doing something special. We want to hear a veterinary technician and a veterinarian engage with each other in discussion, working as a team, to show how they can go through Fear free attributes and incorporate the Zoetis canine checklist when working with patients who may have had osteoarthritic pain. Dr. Marianne Vanderland is a graduate of the University of Georgia College of Veterinary Medicine. In addition to her work in private practice, Dr. Vandelind has taught at veterinary and technician schools, consults on practice management issues, and coaches retreats for women practice owners. Amy Newfield is a certified veterinary technician with a veterinary technician specialty in emergency and critical care. She works with Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners as a project manager for training and team development. Thank you both for being here today. And Amy, I'm going to turn it over to you.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. Marianne, you had an experience that you told me about where you realized the importance of talking to owners because they may not realize the signs of osteoarthritis. Can you share that experience with me to the listeners, it was actually really important.
2: Oh, yes. Thank you for remembering that, Amy. Wow. It's a good example of what we're talking about today. And it it was, I was working with the hospital and a Rottweiler came in. It was about a five-year-old female Rottweiler named Stella. And she was in and they were requesting just a rabies vaccine. And so I asked the doctor that I was working with, I said, are you going to talk to him about anything else? And they said, no, we're just going to stick to that rabies. When we went in the room, I was standing and watching and observing the visit, and I could see that this dog was trembling in its back legs, and every time it thought about sitting down, you know, it kind of got that look like, oh, I want to sit down, but I don't want to sit down. It just the tile floor didn't seem secure to it, so it had gained about 10 pounds since its last visit a couple of years ago, and so she gave the rabies shot, and I said, would you do me a favor? Would you take Stella? We have some steps on the side of the building and we also have a ramp. And what I'd like to do is see how Stella does when she goes down the ramp and if she comes back up the steps. Would you would you do that with me? And he said, Sure. So we walked Stella outside. We walked her down the ramp. And then she had so much trouble going up the steps. And I said, What do you think? And he said, Well I think she hurts. And I said, I agree. I think she does really hurt. And I said, I'm concerned. And he said, yeah, that's the reason I brought her in for the rabies is she's the sweetest dog you've ever seen. But last week, she tried to bite my little nephew, and he's only four, whenever she touched his back hand. And I said, I think there's some pain. And so we actually, he actually came back in, and we did a pain workup, not just that rabies vaccine today. And we could really make a difference in this dog's lifestyle. So that was a really big thing to me. I would have been happy if he have just realized he needed to get a ramp get the car, the dog in the car, and that the dog was painful, or he needed a new bed. But the the reality of the lifestyle change was so huge for him that it was just a big thing. So tell me, Amy, like when you work with doctors, and I mean, how have you helped doctors, and when you see technicians making a difference, how do we make a difference in keeping dogs comfortable during these hospital visits, or... Or what have you seen that makes a difference in pet owners' lives? Well, I definitely think it's so important
0: that technicians talk to the veterinarian. After all, we, speak, we, we spend the most time with the pet, um, and we have to know the subtle signs and symptoms. And a great example for me, is, and a kind of an aha moment for me, is radiology because that's a very scary area that we bring dogs uh, into that area all the time and our floors are very slippery and as our dogs get older, they also um, have vision changes and an aha moment for me was trying to bring an elderly dog and walking them down this hallway into radiology and the dog literally froze at the, the radiology room because it was pitch dark in there and they couldn't see. And then to add insult to injury, not realizing that this dog had vision changes, when we went to pick up this dog, physically pick it up, it yelped. And in that yeah. moment, I realized, oh, my goodness, this dog is an old arthritic dog, and it it can't see as well as it you know used to be able to. The room was dark when we entered. I probably should have turned a light on, but also, I have a table that goes up and down, <laughs> and luckily, yes. in our hospitals, we've got those wonderful motion tables, right? And I didn't take use of that in that moment, and I felt really terrible, so... But it, it doesn't stop there, even though I have that realization. I need to now alert the veterinarian because the veterinarian's probably going to call that owner with the answers of, of what we found on the radiographs. And in that moment of that veterinarian speaking to the owner, it's really important for that veterinarian to have that discussion and say, hey, have you noticed your dog struggling to get up and down stairs or walking slower or, you know, all of those things? Because that's where we open the doors to conversation. So I think it's really important for us to have that, that uh, conversation with the veterinarian. Because, again, a lot of times technicians see that these things that owners may not recognize.
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more, Amy, because I think when you have a good technician and there's such a blessing to have someone like you to work with, if I can work with you and involve you and you can tell me things that you've seen the animal do, or the fact that it couldn't stand in the waiting room or you had to take it a towel or something or, you know, whatever, it makes that visit go so much better, and we're so much more caring and compassionate. Not to mention what you just said in that dog in the radiology room. He had all the fear-free signs. He was afraid. He was anxious. He had stress. So anything we could have done together would have made a big difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes we notice it a little bit too late, but I think even just always remembering those signs and looking for them and just helping out, particularly our elderly patients, a little bit better helps yes. reduce that those fear signs, right? If we had just turned on absolutely. the light so the poor dog could see, lowered the table so we didn't have to pick the dog up, um, all of those very important things. Um, I I know both of us have been in this industry for quite some time, and do you remember working with pet owners when uh, veterinary hospitals were more limited in what we could use for pets' comfort and mobility, And, and what kind of changes have you seen now that we do have more ways to help these pets?
2: Oh, wow. It's been such a big change. It's been such an exciting time to be in the veterinary industry because, you know, before... I remember days when maybe we didn't have anything to offer and the pet was just so uncomfortable that, you know, we had to do different things. And so, and their quality of life and length of life were decreased. But now, um, with the onset of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that came in probably in the late 90s, we've been able to do um, multimodal therapy or mixed option therapy. So, where you might do things like lose weight to put less stress on the joints, or acupuncture, or hydrotherapy, or glucosamine, or changing the food choice. We have some more fatty acids. We can now mix in some of those non-steroidals and actually help and get the right formula for this dog working with the owner. And helping with tools and having those options just means the world to people because then they can learn, working with their veterinarian and team, how to control their pet's pain, when it could come up, and the quality in life and the bond and the actual length of life and the things they can do with their lifestyle. So They can travel on trips and they can go for walks in the park. And so we can titrate those dosages to make them more comfortable. So it's just a world of difference in the life and quality of a pet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, I know uh, yeah. both of us can... You know, appreciate the the wonderful science of the pharmaceuticals, but also all the other options that have come about. I know I remember back in the '90s, unfortunately, having to euthanize pets for arthritis, That's and good. I don't do that now, which is really wonderful because it was terrible. There, the dogs could not physically walk, and there were no options for these owners, and it was. A real uh, unfortunate time. So uh, I'm really eternally grateful for modern science to intervene so that we can give these dogs a much
2: happier quality of life for sure. I agree with you completely, Amy, because I tell you, when these dogs didn't have any other choices, now you have the ability to give them these choices and have those longer periods of time. Sometimes we were saying you have to do surgery, and, and people just didn't have the money to do the surgery. Or they didn't have any option at all, and so then they felt. And so this is so much better. There's so many ways that we can help them make their pet quality of life, less painful, less fearful, and more happy. You know, just increasing that human-animal bond, because we all know, especially in this time of coronavirus, how wonderful it is to take your dog for a walk. I mean, just going for a walk with your pet is huge, for the health that it has, and so, to me, it's helping people identify, you know, ha- what, these, what these things are that they're looking for. We've talked a little bit about it, you know, like it could be that they're not doing the same activity. Maybe they've gained weight. Maybe they're showing a different posture. Maybe they're avoiding touch, like my Rottweiler example, or a snap at somebody and become more irritable, or they're vocalizing. And I really want to say that um, Zoetis has this... Uh, quiz that I really love for people if they wanted to play with it where you can go online and what I love about it is you can hover over the examples and it'll say is your dog limping? So it actually shows this dog limping so that you can and then there's another one is it lagging behind so it takes them through some of the things they might see if their dog was painful and then do they think their dog's more active, less active and then this is a quiz that they can send to their doctor and then together with their doctor and technician They can sit down and have a discussion about what they see and what the doctor sees, you know, or use a video or a picture. So to me, our ability to talk to people, have these multi-activities, and get that right thing titrated means so much and keeping them comfortable for the rest of their lives. Marianne, you brought some really
0: great points up, and I also love the Zoetis checklist. I think you talked about a lot of those subtle signs, but for technicians, having that checklist in the waiting rooms while clients are waiting so that, you know, it kind of jogs that client's memory, or even for the technician to maybe review it with that client, as they're sitting there, if that checklist is available and they start looking at it, um, you know, they can kind of see, oh, is he limping? is he, you know, reluctant to walk on slippery floors? For me, you said something that triggered a, a memory for me. It was the walking behind me. So as my one dog started getting older and up in her years, I started noticing, you know, she was always a dog that was out front. And now suddenly she was not. I had a young dog who was out front sniffing and pulling at the leash. And here was my other dog who was behind me. And I had to kind of look at it and go, why is she behind me? Because she wasn't a dog that was limping. She wasn't a dog that was yelping in pain. Um, She was still fairly active, but she was no longer in front of me. (laughs) So I had to very much come to the realization that she had some osteoarthritis and thankfully get her on something, do something for her, and then she became the dog who was back out front. But it, it was that subtle sign of, you know, I thought she was just kind of, Slowing down and wanting to take longer to sniff, when in reality she was actually struggling orthopedically. So, yeah, you hit it right it on the, the nail on the head there for me.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it just creeps up, and I think just like I think it just you don't even realize the difference is there until it pops out at you, like that day it did with you, or they don't jump, or so. So, uh, well, tell me, Amy. I mean, you've had so much experience with uh, working with animals and trauma and different things that. Uh, what does it mean to you as a veterinary technician to really see this improvement in the quality of life of our pets, like this? Yeah,
0: it, it's a big deal for me. It, it comes back to that human-animal bond, which we can all relate to, right? Um, these are our furry children, right? They're fully integrated into our homes. Uh, they are part of our family, and. You know, when we talked about our our time in in the 90s or maybe even before that, where we didn't have a lot of options, those bonds got broken a lot earlier. And now owners are coming in and they want to be with their pet and have their pet in their lives for as long as possible. And we want to be able to give that to them. So, being able to identify even the earliest signs of osteoarthritis, being able to, you know, reduce that level of fear in that dog that the owners didn't even necessarily realize happened, you know. Um, a great example is hardwood floors, right? They're pretty, they're wonderful, but our older dogs struggle on them because they've got old joints and, old, you know, painful joints and painful backs and Our owners don't even realize that, you know, when they wake up in the morning and they look out into the hallway and realize they have to go from carpet to hardwood, there's actually sometimes that fear-based response and what can we do? And now we have dogs who, you know, might be urinating in the bedroom and the owners don't Mm -hmm. recognize it's not a behavior problem. It's the fear the dog has of wanting to, you know, go from carpet to hardwood, if we just put a floor runner down for them, um, we can make their life so much better. And so we get to build and keep that human-animal bond for a much longer period of time um, you know, we get to help them in even in the veterinary hospitals, you know, examining them on the floor instead of lifting them on tables where they might be painful and scared. Um, and w- for you, what has, have you seen in your, you know, life and workplace environment that, al- you know, allows
2: us to give them a better quality of life? I just think helping people be aware of these things that we've talked about because they are subtle sometimes. And sometimes you think your dog is being stubborn, lagging behind, laying in the grass or, or sniffing at somebody, but, the, but they actually could be signs that they really are experiencing something, pain or a hidden symptom of disease. So I really think people being aware of how your pet might show those subtle signs of pain of osteoarthritis or osteoarthritis changes the limping, the lagging behind, the slow to rise, the difficulty jumping. I actually think when you talked about the hardwood floors, the dog jumping off the bed and sliding and hurting themselves even worse, or the little dogs that have you know back problems that jump off a bed that we hope they, they shouldn't have. So creating awareness of things to help avoid disease and keep your pet healthy for longer, providing options, options like ways you can exercise, maintain their weight, keep them healthy so that you can avoid some of these problems or decrease the rate at which they develop. And it's all about this continued quality of life because I think as we age a society, we start seeing those things in our pets. So I think, you know, I understand what arthritis means in me, so I can see it in my dog when they do different things too. But I think having those discussions with your veterinarian and the technician being part of that discussion so the doctor and the technician are working with the client because the other thing I think is going to be really great is in this age where we can sometimes do telemedicine, if I can work with the technician or they can send a, the client can send a video back after they've started medication, we can work together to make sure it's the best combination of things for that client, for the quality of life and the activity that they want to have.
0: Marion, that's a perfect uh, conversation that you just had about it being a team effort, and I completely agree as well. It really does need to be a team effort. I know that often, for example, technicians are the ones who bring the the client and the pet into a room, and they'll start off by saying, how's so-and-so doing today? And that's where those clients may mention those very subtle signs. They may say, oh, he's doing great. He's just slowing down. Okay, that's where mm-hmm. the technician needs to pause and uh, maybe bring out that checklist or have a bigger discussion or br- this is where that team part comes into play. You know, even if the the technician gets busy, they need to bring it back to the veterinarian and say, hey, he's doing okay, but she did mention he's slowing down. I didn't have a further discussion. Um, but if you want to dive into that with her deeper, that would be great. Because I think that's really key. And then, Helping the owner recognize that, oh, yeah, my dog is having some of these arthritic signs and there are things that we can do to help because a lot of times owners don't, they're just simply not aware that there is help
2: available. So, yeah, great point, Marianne. Oh, that's great. It's been great to do this because I really do think osteoarthritis is one of those things that we and the veterinarian and technician working together can make a great difference. And the quality, the length of life, and enhance that human-animal bond for a long time into the future.
1: Amy Newfield and Dr. Mary Lind, thank you so much for your time today. That was incredibly insightful.
0: Thank you, Steve, for having us. It was really wonderful and an honor to be part of this.
2: Yes, Steve, we really enjoyed it. It was great talking with Amy about one of my favorite
1: subjects. If you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access new toolbox items, and find all the additional courses at FearFreePets.com. And, of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to get started at FearFreePets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing practice certification, get more details on the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, learn more about the resources we have for you at FearFreeHappyHomes.com.